there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before. And it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. Study is the devotion of time and attention to acquiring knowledge on a subject. Study maps out where we have to work on ourselves. The first area is observing ourselves more consciously than we ever do because we have acquired something that was not created as part of us. So what is it that we're studying? Are we studying what we are created as? Not really, but if you look at a candle, you can see other things around it. If you study the candle, you inadvertently study other things around it. The devotion of time and attention to acquiring knowledge on a subject, and the subject is false personality. The subject is what is not, because false personality is not. And the only way that it can exist is if you take your created essence and imbue false personality with that. Then are you that? If you feel your sense of self through that, then your sense of self is dependent upon that. If you have no sense of self other than the sense of self that you feel through that false personality, then all of your eggs are in that basket. Study is the devotion of time and attention to acquiring knowledge on a subject, and the subject is false personality, which isn't. But now we know how we can feel ourselves in something that isn't, by placing ourselves in this idea of something that isn't. And that comes down to what the work calls imaginary I. Study maps out where we have to work on ourselves. Do we have to work on ourselves? Well, it's not have to, like you must do this. You don't have to do this. You can live out your entire life by putting your force, your essence, your life, your created being into something that is not and constantly vivifying it. Like you could stick your hand in a sock, sew two buttons on the sock and move the sock and call it a puppet and give it a voice. Hey, how are you? What are you doing over there? Oh, you don't look so happy this morning. You can do that. But in order to keep that sock alive, you've got to keep your hand in it. Now, of course, I'm not talking about your sock and the hand. If you take this too literally, it won't work. You've got to understand that words don't do this. Words will not work. But what can work is you can put the scaffolding of words up, or we can put a scaffolding of words up around the nothingness of everything. And jump off of the scaffolding into it. Or we can allow the breeze to blow across us as we're up in the scaffolding, whatever. Or we can allow the rain to fall on us as we suspend ourselves in the scaffolding. Or we can allow the sun to shine on us as we climb the scaffolding. The study maps out where we have to work on ourselves. 
It gives us areas that ancients have found are areas that are the most productive areas in which to work if you wish to free yourself from the sock. If you'd like to have your hand back, if you'd like to stop imagining that you're a puppet, if you'd like to find what you were created as, if you'd like to find what the natural flow of your life is, then study the devotion of time and attention to acquiring knowledge on a subject, the subject being the sock. It will show us what we have to do first to get out of the sock. The first area is observing ourselves more consciously than we ever do. What is it that we're observing? Well, we must be observing the sock because that is what's covering our hand. So then it's about observing the sock. Next is observing in areas and directions given by the work. What makes that so great? People who got their hand out of the sock left a record of how they got their hands out of the sock and how you might get your hand out of the sock. You can invent your own way if you'd like. How has that worked out for you thus far? It's possible for someone to muddle around in a maze and find their way out. It's possible. But it's a lot more likely with a map. We start off with we're not properly conscious and we could benefit by increasing our consciousness. We're not properly conscious that we are not the sock. And we could benefit by increasing our consciousness to include something other than the sock. If we can see that there's more than just the sock and the sock's audience and the sock's eyes and the sock's voice and the sock's movements, if we can become aware of more than that, we have increased our consciousness and we can be benefited by that. Who says? The people who got their hand out of the sock, they say. Well, why should I believe them? You shouldn't. This work says you shouldn't believe them. Don't believe them. But try it and see if you don't increase your consciousness. Just try some of the things that they say and see if your consciousness doesn't increase. There's no promise on increasing consciousness that that's going to make you happy. See, don't work for results means... Look, there's no promises on increasing consciousness. You increase your consciousness, that doesn't mean you're free. You may become aware that sock has moths. They're eating holes in it. You may become aware that the sock got dipped in acid and it's burning you. You may become aware of a lot of things, and it may not be pleasant. It doesn't promise pleasantness. It says, if you will do these things, you will study this, if you will devote your time and attention to acquiring this knowledge, that you will increase your consciousness and that will be beneficial to you. Beneficial to you for what? Well, getting your hand out of the sock. When we're not properly conscious, we don't know what we're doing. This seems like a no-brainer. But you look at all of the people in the world who go about the business of life absolutely certain that what they're doing is going to have this effect and this result. And then totally broadsided by some other result. Totally mystified. Oh, how could that have happened? That's not what I meant. It must be all these other bad people doing it to me. It must be an angry God in heaven punishing me because I didn't bring an offering or make a sacrifice. We make up all these things. More socks. The effect of 
not knowing what we're doing is disaster, wars, and the other evils that have plagued humanity throughout history. See, but we ascribe awareness, consciousness to people who are doing these things. Oh, these people are bad people. That's why they're making wars. These people are bad people. That's why they're doing this. Good people don't do that. I'm a good person. Therefore, I don't do that. So now when you do that, you can't see it. Evolution of consciousness is a myth. People think that our consciousness as a race will simply evolve, but it won't. And the evidence of that is we are still doing the same things that our ancestors did. There are still disasters, wars, and all of the other evils that have plagued humanity throughout history. Because consciousness does not evolve, it must be an individual act. And an individual cannot evolve unconsciously. Consciousness does not evolve unconsciously. How do we know this? I don't know this. This is what the people who have pulled their hand out of the sock have said. If we become more conscious, they say, things will happen differently. This work begins with self-observation, and the purpose of it is to end distinguishing ourselves as the sock. We've got to somehow observe what the work tells us to observe in the way the work tells us to observe it, in the areas and the directions given by the work. The work meaning that which has been left by people who pulled their hand out of the sock. And by doing that, we stop seeing ourselves as this mechanical figure that we've been throughout life, this sock puppet that we've been throughout life. Where did I get that sock anyway? Well, that sock was knitted by all of the people in your life who loved you and hated you and knew you and didn't know you. That sock was knitted for you by all of the people in the world. And it was gifted to you. And now that sock, you can't tell your hand from that sock. And if you get rid of that sock, if someone tries to take that sock away, you know that you'll die of frostbite or the disease that the sock is protecting you from, like a mask over your face so that you don't inhale bacteria that might damage you. This personal development leads to self-consciousness. This is what the work says. It leads to self-consciousness. This is what the people who pulled their hand out of the sock have said. They've said, look, this personal development of your consciousness, expanding your consciousness, will lead to self-consciousness. It will lead to self-remembering. It will lead to self-awareness. Self-awareness, according to these people who have pulled their hand out of the sock, is the third level of consciousness. For us, we will talk about four levels of consciousness. We won't talk about anything above that for two reasons. One is we don't know anything about it. And if we do know anything about it, we can't talk about it because it can't be put into words. So it's fruitless to talk about it. So we'll talk about what we can talk about. The first level of consciousness is sleep with dreams on your bed. The second level of consciousness is waking sleep. Sleep with daydreams, not on your bed. The third level of consciousness, self-consciousness, self-remembering, self-awareness. And the fourth level of consciousness, objective consciousness. Self-awareness means I am aware of myself and I am aware of the world as it relates to myself. Objective consciousness means I am aware of myself, I am aware of the world, and I am not any of them, so I am objective about them. 
using the word I because we don't have anything else in our language to fill that blank. I could use the word whole, H-O-L-E. I could use the word vacant. I could use the word space. But those things don't really have much meaning for us. We go off on tangents then. So we're interested in these first four states of consciousness, sleep with dreams, waking sleep, self-consciousness, and objective consciousness. This work finds us in the second state of consciousness, a state entangled in a web of cause and effect where everything happens the only way that it can. And what these people who pulled their hand out of the sock said is if you can become more conscious, if you will do the things that we did, your consciousness will increase. And as your consciousness increases, things will begin to happen differently. What does that mean? That they won't happen the only way they can happen? No. They'll still happen the only way they can happen. But because of your increasing consciousness, they will happen differently. So what will change? Only your state of consciousness. Nothing else. But we look for world peace. We look for other people to change. We look for results. And this stops us. We require results. And this drives us down deeper, not up higher. It pushes us down lower. Understand when I say up and down, there is no such thing. There's no such thing as up and down. This is all made up so that we can have words, an exchange of words. It's not that way. It's inner and outer. But that's all made up too. These are all made up things in the same way that a line drawing on, drawing on a piece of paper of the Eiffel Tower is not the Eiffel Tower. What can be drawn is not the Eiffel Tower. It's not the Ark of Triumph. It's not Big Ben. It's not Westminster Abbey. It's not the Capitol building. What can be drawn is what can be drawn. What can be talked about is what can be talked about. But that's not it. Why this work gets stuck in mire is not because the work is wrong, but because we start to take the picture for the thing. And then we become collectors. One man can evolve from this state, becoming more conscious. Humanity can too. So one man can evolve from the state of the second state of consciousness. One man can evolve, and humanity can too. The unfortunate thing is, is the only way that humanity can evolve from the second state of consciousness is one man at a time. Which means it is impossible for humanity to evolve from the second state of consciousness. So give it up. You can wait for the rest of humanity, or you can wait for your wife, or you can wait for your son, or you can wait for your daughter, or you can wait for your father, or you can wait for your friend to evolve, but you must stay in the second state of consciousness in order to wait for them, because only you can evolve from the second state of the consciousness into the third state of consciousness. Self-awareness, self-remembering, self-consciousness. Self means not that other person. Well, but I thought there was no self. Why do you have to think? Well, because that's the only way I know to be right. Why do you want to be right? To set myself apart. Set yourself apart by leaving the second state of consciousness for the third. If that's not a part enough for you, leave the third state of consciousness for the fourth. As we sincerely try to become self-conscious, we're shown how to practice self-remembering at different moments. Well... If my hand is really me and not the sock, then why do I have to practice self-remembering? Why can't I just pull my hand out of the sock? Go ahead. Why should I have to do anything? Can't I just get rid of the sock? Sure, 
go ahead. Well, how do I do that? <laughs> You're the one who wants to do that. Okay, well, if I can't just do that, then how do I do that? Well, that's what we're talking about. Sincerely try to become self-conscious. Sincerely try to get your hand out of the sock. So what does that mean? Well, it means that we step on the sock, that we pull hard, and we try and set the sock on fire, or we attack it with a knife, or we do all kinds of things. But you see, the sock is so much a part of us that we end up hurting ourselves and stopping. So there must be a slower, less violent method. And that's what the fourth way is. We're shown how to practice self-remembering at different moments. So, as we sincerely try to become self-conscious, we're shown how to practice self-remembering at different moments. Well, who shows us? Oh, don't worry about that. Just be willing to be shown. That's all. Just be willing to be shown. Perhaps it'll be your little five-year-old next-door next neighbor. Maybe it will be your teacher. Maybe it will be your worst enemy. Maybe it will be your best friend. Maybe it will be a total stranger. It doesn't matter. Maybe it will be a plane, an airplane falling out of the sky. Maybe it'll be a leaf falling off a tree. It doesn't matter. Just be willing to be shown. Don't make up a lot of requirements about how, who, where, when, what. First, we must see we aren't really conscious. This is difficult. First, we must see we aren't really conscious. But we are really conscious. We're sure of it. And so the work tells us ways that we can see that we're not really conscious, that all is done in sleep. Now, unfortunately, this is a constriction that few people get beyond. Why it's a constriction is because when we start to see that we're not really conscious, what happens is we contract our imaginary I down to something more real. As what we imagined ourselves to be is debunked. Then we are smaller. We contract and we panic. And a lot of people, because of the pain of that constriction, the pain of that contraction, stop. In fact, I would say most people stop. You can stop too. It's easy to see that mankind is asleep. The first thing this work teaches you is to see that man is asleep, that humanity is asleep. And that's easy to see when we follow the directions of the work. But it's not enough. But you are asleep too. No. I can see that they are, so I'm more awake. Yes, you're more awake. And you are asleep too. But isn't it just you're either awake or asleep? No. It's not that way. But I want it to be that way. Then you're asleep, because that's your requirement. This is the point of self-observation. At this point, we may begin to awaken. Yes, humanity is asleep. I see that now. Yes, but I too am asleep. Oh, and this is the point where we may begin to awaken. This is the point where something may begin to happen for us. Most notice when they're awake and others are asleep. We must become more conscious. How much more? More. So I don't really care where you are. If you are more conscious than everyone else in this room, how much more conscious do you need to be? More. Well, then what's the point of comparing myself with others? <laughs> None. Unless, of course, you want to go lower. And remember, there is no higher or lower in this. These are just words that we're using to try and understand something that can't really be talked about. We could say more contracted or less contracted, more expanded or less... Or, or more contracted. But still, it's the same thing. It's all just a construct. It's all just scaffolding around an invisible building. What does this look like? At first, you painfully see your acquired self. Later, we realize there's another something, someplace, and the pain decreases. There are two ways to decrease the pain. Non-identification and imagination. Imagination is the easiest and most prevalent. 
It's the wide road. There are lots of people on that road, and it leads to destruction. Then there's the narrow road, and that is non-identification. The work calls this something, this someplace essence, which descends from inside. Now, see, this is exactly the kind of thing that we need. It descends from inside. Well, but, but, but it can't. It has to descend from above. No, it descends from inside. Because those two ideas don't fit together, we have to have a moment where we go, descends from inside. Wait a second. It's a trick. It's a word trick. Either it worked or it didn't. If we take it outside, we're stopped. Our development must be inner. It's why results are useless. They're outer. If we take all this outside, if we take all this in a sensual way, in a literal way, we're stopped. Not only are we stopped, but it will make us negative. It will contract us. Look at the resistance you have to being free of the sensual level. Food, sex, sensual pleasure. Look at the resistance you have to that. That will give you an idea of why you don't easily move into the third state of consciousness. As long as you're holding on to those things, as long as you're resisting losing anything that's sensual, you're glued to it. Resistance equals pain. Pain equals stopping development. But I thought no pain, no gain. Now you have to move beyond the pain to have any gain. Because pain is not gain. Pain is pain, and it comes from resistance. Contraction is contraction, and it comes from resistance. It's what we do. To proceed, we must either imagine or allow pain. What's the better choice here? Imagination is the better choice every time. Imagine or allow the pain. Allow the pain. Allow the suffering. Embrace it. Allow it. Not even embrace it. Just allow it. We must come to a form of understanding that's not based on the senses. It's a spiritual understanding of ourselves and others. Unfortunate that I have to use the word spiritual. I don't have to use the word spiritual. It's a natural understanding of ourselves and others. It's a non-understanding of ourselves and others. It's a different understanding of ourselves and others. It doesn't matter what I call it. You need to get it. And either you do or you don't. And if you don't, okay, then you don't. There's nothing to do about that. There's nothing to be ashamed of in that. There's nothing to be afraid of. But, but you understand something that I don't understand. I'll be left behind. I haven't gone anywhere. But your fear of being left behind will contract you and you'll sink faster. What falls faster, an open parachute or a packed parachute? Well, a packed parachute. So if you contract, you are a packed parachute. You will fall faster. But if you just open, expand, allow, let, you'll be more like an open parachute. You'll still fall, but it'll be more like a float. Well, the ground's still coming up mighty fast. That's true. Some people jump out of a plane with a parachute. The parachute opens. And they fall wrong and break their leg. It's true. You're still falling pretty fast, but not as fast as the packed parachute. We must learn to live life from work ideas rather than self-interest, self-will. For most, this is too much to ask. Self-interest and self-will is everything. I want, I want, I want, I want. I want. Packed parachute. Every I want is a fold. To reach a higher level, one must let go the present level of the senses. Look, do you have any idea how long it takes to pack a parachute properly? It's a huge job. Someone's life depends on it. 
If it doesn't open properly, someone is dead, or very likely dead, who depends on that parachute. So packing a parachute properly, there are jumpers who, they won't let anyone else pack their parachute. They pack their parachute because they want it done properly. They're not willing to take the risk of someone else missing a beat. And if their parachute doesn't open, oh well, somebody must have switched parachutes because I couldn't do anything wrong. And that is where we live. Listen to what people say. You will hear it every day. The problem with us is, is that it takes us so many years to go against our own mechanical behavior, thoughts, opinions, and feelings. Well, what does that mean, to go against it? Now we're in opposition? No. No, not really. Again, we have these words that don't work. But if you're generous, if your parachute is a little more open, you can allow wrong words. You can allow them, and you can get the drift. No, it's not opposition. We're not really opposing the sock. We're trying to become aware of what is beyond the sock, what is behind the sock, what is animating the sock. Because the sock is not a life form. It is not real. You are the animating force behind the sock. Well, what is you? We don't know that yet. But whatever you think it is, it's not that. Whatever you think it is, that's not it. Because you cannot be named. You cannot be known. Well, then how are we supposed to know ourselves? Those are just words that people had to use to try and get you in the right neighborhood. Yes, it's an exact science. Yes, the map is exact. This is America. This is Europe. This is South America. It's exact. This is Alaska. This is Texas. This is Alabama. This is California. Yes, it's exact. This is Los Angeles. This is San Diego. Yes, it's exact. And we just begin to narrow it down and getting closer and closer. But we can't really talk about it exactly. We can't really nail it down precisely. But when you get in the neighborhood, you will breathe the air. You will hear the sounds. You will feel the sensations. And you will experience it. You won't have to worry about where exactly you are on the map. We get stuck in our desires which are connected to self-love. When that man who is stuck in his desires that are connected to self-love dies, another can be born. Vanity, pride, jealousy, self-righteousness, accounts, self-justification must be allowed to recede. First, we must see it in ourselves and connect our misery with it. We've got to see those things as the source of our misery. What misery? Well, if you have to ask that question, you don't belong here. Or you really belong here. Very likely, it's very possible that someone can call their misery happiness. I mean, after all, imagination satisfies every center. We see people all the time call their anger something else. Are you angry? No, I'm not angry. Everyone in the room is like, feels the crackling of the energy, the angry energy, except the person generating it. No, I'm not angry because we can call it something else. We can totally push it away. No, I don't get angry. I'm not an angry person. Or, I am an angry person, and I'm not angry now, because if I was angry now, I know anger, and I would know that I was angry, and I am not angry. Okay. We're skin bags full of glitchy software. I know you've heard me say that before. A mass of habits, attitudes, and self-interest based on those attitudes. That's what we are. That's what the sock is. These are the tools of sleep keeping us in the prison of the second level of consciousness. 
Is the second level of consciousness really a prison? No. If you like it, stay there. No one is going to make you leave. As a matter of fact, it's just not that easy to get out of it. And of course, it's as easy as opening your eyes. But when you're afraid of the dark and the monsters in the closet, opening your eyes can be the hardest thing you've ever done. You can't have prison food, prison clothes, prison friends, and be free of the prison. The things to which you cling are the things that keep you where you think you are. They are the things that keep you who you think you are. Let them go. But, 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 let them go. The linchpin of this work is the practical application of the ideas shared in the podcasts. If you'll go to solidrockvista.com, to the thoughts page, I've written a number of articles that will help you to practice the principles that we're sharing with you in the podcasts.